Welcome to the Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss Jane Austen adaptations, now covering Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. And I'm Jillian Davis. We are proud partners of the Frolic Podcast Network, a community made up of your favorite voices in all of Romancelandia and beyond. Keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at the Pemberley, and you can email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. You can find thousands of titles to download and listen to at any time. We recommend getting Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev so you can follow along as we make our way through the story. Visit audibletrial.com slash thepemberly to start your 30-day free trial. That's audibletrial.com slash thepemberly. Now, on to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the most exciting episode of the Pemberley Podcast ever. I thought I'd say that because I realized we always open with another exciting episode of, and it makes me feel like, well, it makes me feel like Chris Harrison, where he's like, the most dramatic season of The Bachelor ever. And like, he says that every season, but that's like part of the joke. Listen, he says it every season, but he's not wrong every season. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like him saying it makes it true, and I feel like it's like, this is me putting it out there. There, the most exciting episode of the Pemberley podcast ever. Got it. Okay. Why don't you thrill us, our audience, <laughs> with uh, something that you've been reading lately? Yeah. So I'm halfway through this book called Get a Life, Chloe Brown by uh, Talia Hibbert, mm-hmm. I believe is the yep. author. It's a romance book. It's really cute. It's really great. It's like this nerd girl and like this like bad boy guy who like start to fall for each other but um basically at the beginning of the book chloe has a near-death experience that kind of changes her entire perspective of she's like i haven't really lived life and you know all the things all like the little things you typically do in your teens and 20s early 20s like eventually build up to bigger things and like I never had those things so I just need to like have all these experiences now so she kind of puts together this list of things that she needs to do and Red is the building manager who is like this bad boy guy who like has a motorcycle and all the best uh, bad boys have motorcycles yes exactly (laughs) so uh with his help she's going to kind of get through this list and unbeknownst to each other they both have feelings for one another kind of even before they agree to to do this so it's a lot of fun i highly recommend it it's been a really fun read so what's something that you wanted to bring up to the audience, Jillian. Well, speaking of books, I just wanted to let everyone in on what I think is like one of the best sort of events in LA that uh, is no longer happening IRL because of COVID. I have always been a big fan of going to the LA Times Festival of Books. I've been going since I was a sophomore in high school. It's been happening for like 25 years. You can buy books, you can find out about great community events, and they also have incredible panels and they've got really amazing authors that speak and it's it's a free event. It's just a lot of fun. And so this year they've decided to make it an e-festival. And so I just wanted everyone to know about it. It starts on October 18th. It will celebrate storytelling and it'll last four weeks instead of two days, which is really cool. There's going to be author panels, readings, and other kind of events. Normally it's only limited to people who are in LA. And so now it's just kind of a fun bookish 
educational community experience that everyone can enjoy online. There's always a lot of festivals that are happening over summer, and obviously none of those things will be happening, or most people have moved their programming to online. So even though it's a bummer that we don't get to experience these things in real life, it is cool that now these experiences are open to anyone who maybe were limited by being able to make it there or being able to travel to certain places and also, like, for specific authors who maybe wouldn't have been able to fly out for something like this, you know, it's kind of open to, there's no limit, really, to anyone who can be part of it. Excited to learn more about their programming and seeing what's in store. For sure. I mean, the limit does not exist. And, <laughs> I mean, my favorite memory from the Festival of Books was the very first time I went. I went with my dad. And I went because I was really excited for this one event where Meg Cabot, she had just hmm. released, like, a new book in a series that was not The Princess Diaries. But I was like, this woman wrote The Princess Diaries. <laughs> she gave an interview with a moderator. And uh, she signed my book. And so I got to meet her. And she was very nice. And that was a lot That's of fun. That's cool. Yeah. So stuff like that where you just, like, like, you know, you're reminded that like your favorite authors are regular people and I'm excited that they're still doing it. So speaking of books, we can <laughs> dive into chapter 17 and 18 of Recipe for Persuasion by Sonali Dev. Hopefully Sonali is going to be involved in the <gasps> LA Times Festival of, of Books. That'd we be should, cool. We should tweet her the article and be like, I don't know, could you do it? Probably like <laughs> her and Suzanne, like they could be there and they'll be friends and they'll talk about us. Maybe. And, you, know. <laughs> you know what you and I should do? We should just like contact all the authors and writers that we love and just like make a panel of like the Pemberley podcast panel and people are like who are <laughs> who any this? of these people and we're like so important to us listen uh, if there's a panel about Jane Austen adaptations we, we have a platform <laughs> we have a platform we're experts does the LA Times Festival books call us do we call them <laughs> Maybe we could pitch them. I don't I don't necessarily think that who knows? The sky's the limit. We could we could do a panel. Who Who's knows? to say? Maybe that Who's this is say? just the beginning. This is, we we're already accustomed to operating online. Like we've already like Very true. built an online community. We could do it for the festival of books. So I guess we're pitching ourselves. So I guess we're <laughs> pitching we're just putting I feel like we should just send this episode to the person in charge. We'll to, see, yeah. To be continued. So back on track for Recipe for Persuasion. Previously in chapters 15 and 16, Shobi is now in town. And after yet another explosive argument between her and Ashna, we got the flashback to um, post-proposal between her and Brahm. And we see kind of more of how awful Brahm is and will Ashna and Shobi ever be able to have a conversation without it ending in an argument to be determined. Chapter 17 starts with the next part of the cookie competition. Thankfully, challenge one went over well. They had to cook omelets, which was right in Ashna's wheelhouse. But now there's a little bit of the panic of like, what could the second challenge be? Because again, she's taking it challenge by challenge. And will she have a panic attack? Kind of. She's like <laughs> always like on the verge of a panic attack. And then she hears what's happening and then she's like, okay, like I can do this. So if only she had, she was able to talk to Rico about this and be more open of like, hey, just so you know, like I can't cook anything that I, that isn't my father's. So just so you know, I'm in a cooking competition and can't cook much. <laughs> Especially after the last chapter where the stakes have just been infinitely raised, where it's not 
just because I feel like the goal at first was I'd just like to do the show for the money and to drum up advertising for Curry Dreams. Now it's about winning because Shobi has revealed that she is the legal owner of Curry Dreams. So if Ashna loses the competition, then she has to agree to sell. And if she wins, then uh, Shobi will turn over ownership to Ashna. This is one of those books where I'm like, they should just all go to therapy, but then there wouldn't be a book. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, you know, she lucked out last time because omelets are her jam. It was on her father's menu. Now she's just like, crap, not only do I not know what the next competition challenge is, I have to win. Otherwise, I will lose curry dreams. So it's less about just like staving off the humiliation of having a panic attack in front of a bunch of people on camera and a lot more about the only future she's ever wanted hanging in the balance. There's a lot at stake. (laughs) going through kind of a lot. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And this chapter is from Rico's perspective. So he's just kind of like, something is going on with her. Because at the beginning, she is like clutching onto his arm and he can like barely feel anything at this point. He's like, all right, she's going through it right now. And I'm just not going to say anything because obviously cameras are on them. Yeah. Um, I think in his head, he's probably just like, oh, she's nervous to be on camera. Yeah, it could be that simple. I think that's why he he always like kind of does like those quick asides of like, so here's the breakdown. Like they're about to take us into judging and like this is what's going to happen. She, he's still kind of being like that expert guide for her through filming. But he doesn't know that like, yeah, there's like more to it than just being nervous to be on camera. Because no one's saying anything about their feelings. While Ashna's clinging to Rico's arm, we're kind of in his head. And we get like a really sweet moment where he thinks back to something that he used to say to her when they were teenagers, where he would say, I want to be your hair. Because her hair was always its so long and thick and beautiful. And it like falls all over her face and her neck and her shoulders. So he would say, I want to be your hair. That's such like peak teenage romance and so it's really sweet <laughs> it's really sweet and it also reminded me of like this moment from romeo and juliet it, like it could be the play because they like took this to the movie basically like romeo is like looking at juliet just like oh, like sighing on her balcony and he was like i wish i could be a glove on her hand so that i may touch that cheek and like and i was just like it reminded me of that i'm like romeo that exact line was also used in the second Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants movie when Carmen, America Ferrera's character, is like in a Shakespeare play and she's like nervous about it. And uh, she's so she's been rehearsing lines with the uh, Hot dreamy British guy. English, yeah. yeah, the dreamy British guy. And so like they're in a park and they're r- running lines together and they're both talking about like how much they both actually love Shakespeare and so she puts her hand like on her face and like leaning on the grass and she lays her cheek upon her hand oh that I wore a glove upon that hand that I might touch that cheek you're like oh my goodness <laughs> this is peak romance <laughs> i feel like it's it's hard to talk about like the romantic part of romeo and juliet's relationship without talking yeah. about like a that balcony scene but b like that like oh i wish i were a glove on her hand stop it but don't stop <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's what I want to be your hair just reminded me of. He's sort of just like dipping back into his like teenage thoughts. He's just like looking at her clinging to him and just like her hair <laughs> is present and he's just like, I want to be that hair. I understand. These two, these two are such a mess around each other because it's like all of like those feelings just come flooding back. But like you can't erase just all the history too. So for that moment, we get some, I like seeing the insight into teenage Rico and teenage Ashna of the innocence of their love then. Because he immediately thinks of that, but then he can't think about all the good in their lives without being angry about the fact that he doesn't have that anymore. And so like on page 194, he says, if he let the anger slip away, if he forgot why he was here, he would have no one but himself to blame for ending up alone. Again, someone who betrayed you once would betray you again, always. I was like, that is so harsh. Hard on yourself. He's coming from a place of hurt. And so he's just trying to protect his own heart moving forward. So I feel like the only thing when he has these moments of just, I want to be your hair, he can't also help but think, but she betrayed you and someone who betrayed (laughs) you once will always do it again. So don't let yourself fall for her, you blithering idiot. (laughs) some real emotional whiplash that's going on as they've been in close proximity to each other. We've sort of seen like little sprinkles of that we need to be reminded of is he's retiring. So like he's been this like hotshot soccer athletic star for a long time. I really think this was like the first time in his life where he felt successful, where he felt like he had something, something that he was good at and he's about to lose that. So like, because he didn't go on this show looking for a career opportunities now that he's sort of like letting all of his anxieties like float in and out of him he's just like shoot after this show i have no idea what my life is gonna look like because i'm retiring that is sort of like a scary next step the show is sort of distracting him from of like facing that reality too he's doing it by also trying to go back to the past and like getting closure in one aspect of his life to then be able to move forward in this aspect. It's just mixing the two things is just making everything real messy and real tricky. And really, in a way, he's avoiding both things and not really confronting either. It reminds me so much of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, where in the pilot episode, Rebecca Bunch is like this high-powered lawyer and she was like, oh my God, the last time I was happy was when I was 16 years old and I had this summer camp romance with this guy, Josh Chan, and it's the last time I ever felt joy. And so she tries to recreate that by quitting her job and moving to West Covina. And I feel like that's kind of, that's this very crazy ex-girlfriend of him. Yeah, actually. He was like, I have the power to uh, put myself in the show and make her my partner. So I'm going to do that. I just want it noted that Rico Silva is a crazy ex-girlfriend. I do like seeing that as they've gotten more into filming, Ashna has started to adapt a little more into like, okay, I have to like be on, you know, for TV and I have to like banter and be like this fun person who people are going to vote for because especially now that the stakes are higher, she's like, I really got to win this. Between DJ and Rico, there's like this little moment where they're both calling soccer football and and she's like we're in america guys it's called soccer and like the crowd cheers for her oh it's soccer (laughs) yeah it's like this always like meaningless debate between the u.s and the rest of the world who calls it football so it's kind of like the metric system like 
we're yeah. wrong, but we won't say it. <laughs> yeah. Something I noticed at the bottom of 195, obviously Rico knows like this is tough for Ashna. Like she's not a social person. She's not someone who would ever elect to be in the spotlight. So he's also wondering like, why is she doing this? Because he knows her in a way that no one else knows her. And he says um, they'd been two self-contained teenagers who had somehow cracked each other's shells and further destroyed each other's ability to need other people. This version of her was like someone who was so acutely aware of people's reaction to her made him want to break her loose. So he was like, this isn't you. Clearly, this isn't you. You don't want to be here. I don't know if maybe he he is starting to feel a little guilty of like, oh, no, like I'm here, which only makes this more of like an emotionally heightened situation. Am I contributing to this at all? But also I could help solve it by like breaking her free of it. It's very messy. And and she and he's just like watching her panic. We learn what the next challenge is. We get to watch Ashna just dodge another bullet because what the chefs have to do is guess what their celebrity's favorite comfort food is. And it sounds like they sort of like everyone is like has very different nationalities. So everyone's like trying to guess like what's a comfort food for where you're from. And so like yeah. Song's chef gets it wrong. He keeps guessing like Korean food. But because Rico had a conversation with her and like listened to her, he's like, obviously she loves tacos. And that's what it ended up being. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, mm, noted, like Rico is good at paying attention when uh, she talked about her favorite food in, in her life. And then when it comes to Rico and Ashna, I mean, there's just a blatantly unfair advantage there because no one knows that they knew each other. They knew everything about each other 12 years ago. And she's like, hmm, oh, man. Yeah, except I had to guess. Uh, You're from Rio de Janeiro. Okay. Churros? And like, she knows exactly (laughs) what his favorite food is. Yeah, then, like, that causes some suspicion with, like, the audience of their, like, wait, how would she know that? Because obviously, too, like, when you think of food from Brazil and food from Rio, you're not immediately going to be like, churros. So (laughs) they're like, okay, either Ashna's like a really good guesser or there's something going on here. I mean, honestly, if anything, for the audience, it plays into like the shipping of them too, of like, oh, they must be spending time together. Like that's how she knew his favorite food. I mean, she wants to take advantage of because now, you know, it's funny, like in in Shobi's flashback, she's all about like wanting to earn everything that she has. And in Ashna's thing, she's just like, Like, I am just struggling to stay afloat, so I will take advantage of any advantage you want to give me. And if the fans give us more points, because it's like a combination of the judges' scores and audience votes, very much like Dancing with the Stars. She's just like, I'll take it. I'll I'll lean into this. I'll pretend to be in love. I'll cling to Rico Silva if it means you guys love us more and you're going to give us more points so that when I eventually flounder in the cooking department, it's not going to kick me out of the competition. So the challenge is to make that food, but Ashna doesn't have to make it. Rico has to make it. And so she's just like telling him how to do it, which it turns out is a great alternative because she knows how to make it. She just can't like let make her hands do it. Yeah. And there's like that moment before they actually find that out where she's like finally going to admit it. Like, I can't cook these things. She's like about to have a panic attack. And she literally tells him like, I can't cook. Like, I can't cook on camera. And then DJ breaks the news of like, don't worry, just the celebrities have to cook, which is kind of funny because like some of the, I guess some cooking had already begun 
and one of the other competitors like throws a ball on the ground which causes like some drama of like having to clean up the glass but also i'm like from a production standpoint i'm like these competitors are being kept so in the dark in a way that i don't think is actually realistic because i would think like if you're a celebrity on a show you want to know like every single moment so like you don't look bad and that nothing is played out that you look like an idiot either. This Cooking with the Stars is like really throwing these celebrities in <laughs> into like a real competition. I mean, filming anything just takes forever. I mean, like even when I watch Chopped, I'm like, there's no, you know, because we just see like, here are your ingredients and it's like five weird items and then they just have to throw it into a meal. I'm like, if this were real, I, I feel like they would need to think about what am I going to make? How am I, like, you need time to plan. And so on real cooking shows, they do, they are given that time to really plan out what the recipe is going to be. Here, there's like truly, you find out on the spot. It feels like an episode of Impractical Jokers. <laughs> I'm, I've been watching um, this show called Crazy Delicious. And it's like, you know, they quote, find out what their ingredient is. And then they have to kind of go around and pick out their ingredients. But like, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm making this thing. So, <laughs> so it's like, clearly, they had some time to like, ideate and think about what they're making. And, you know, it's just kind of for show that they're picking this stuff out. But here, it's like, yeah, they're really thrown out on camera live to be like, here's what you're making. And guess what? You're not even making it. So that works yep. out for Ashna, I guess. Yeah, no, it does. Because she, know, she knows how to make churros. Um, and she just gets to order Rico around and he makes some amazing churros. This chapter is Rico and Ashna's own internal struggles with cooking and with, you know, Rico being like, I don't know how to make this better because I love her. I hate her. It's insane. And yeah. then they make the churros together and... um it sounds like they're still in the game. Yeah. So then we go into chapter 18, where we're back at the restaurant, back at Curry Dreams, and business has picked up in a major way. They're at capacity, and they've even had to put out more tables on the patio just to accommodate more people. But again, like, Ashna is just dealing with, like, so much, and she has had no private space to really process everything and even break down in a way so she's a confused emotional mess with Rico and Shobi back in her life so she has like this really brief emotional moment where she's crying at the restaurant and like one of her workers like walks in on her and she's like oh you good because <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh Ashna is very much someone who like doesn't show her emotions so to see this vulnerable side of her is new for her her co-worker But thankfully, Mina has been there while Ashna has been on the competition to help support the restaurant and almost manage it. Since as we saw, like at the very beginning of the book, Mandy was her sous chef who really did a lot of like this work too. Because at that point, financially, they were really, really tight. She had to let go of Mandy or Mandy, you know, had to make the tough decision to leave too. Now they're in a little bit more of a better place. Like, obviously, business has picked up. There's more money coming in. Mina made the smart decision to, like, hire some more people preemptively to make sure that they could be covered. It's definitely the right time to, like, bring someone like Mandy back into the restaurant to, like, take over things again. 
It doesn't surprise me at all that Mina has things back on track because one of the points that I learned in Pride, Prejudice and other flavors is I feel like in a lot of ways this family is very much orbiting their brother's political career because he's running for governor of California and just making sure every political fundraiser, every dinner, every fancy event where food is served has gone off without a hitch like they are their own like planning team seeing this i'm just like oh ashna should have asked for mina's help years ago because i'm (laughs) sure she would have just like cleaned it up in no time yeah and it is something like she sees as temporary too she's like great like i'll help ashna out for right now but like long term she needs to face the difficult conversations that she's avoiding and the reason like mandy also comes back and up into conversation is that uh mandy was actually the one who started like this facebook group to like rally a bunch of people to like you know keep voting for ashna and rico keep them on the show and they hit like a hundred thousand followers for this group and i'm like whoa, how famous is Rico? Clearly it's working because the people are voting. I mean, I imagine that he's like the fictionalized version of like Cristiano Ronaldo and he's just like hot and he's everywhere. And even if you know nothing about soccer and you can't name one player, you know who Cristiano Ronaldo is. (laughs) I mean, it's clearly like also like coming off of a major World Cup win too. So it's like he is at the height of his career and his fame. Why is this guy on the show? Like I agree with everyone who's wondering. (laughs) Everyone's like, what is he doing here? Like I feel like is what we were talking about a couple episodes ago where it's like it's as if the best they could do was Kevin Jonas and then Nick joined. What how it'd be like if like Nick and Priyanka were on the show together. Like, don't you you guys have money to count or something? (laughs) Kind of, and also talking to Mina about Mandy, Ashna also asks Mina, did you know that Shobi was going to be in town? And Mina knows she's like, okay, that's not what you're really asking. You're asking me, like, why didn't I stop her from coming? It speaks a lot to their relationship and how intuitive Mina is and about what Ashna really means. And she's someone who has been so close to her and has been acting as, like, that mother figure for her in real life. So she's very in tune with, like, what Ashna's feeling and what she needs to hear in, in a non like demanding way either. I, Mina has been really instrumental to Ashna's life and like how she's been able to keep the restaurant alive too. So it's great that they have that relationship. But even like the fact that Ashna says to her, like, why aren't you my mom? You could take that so many different ways because it's like, oh no, like, but you have a mom and like maybe if you tried to actually talk to her, maybe things could be okay. But Mina recognizes, like, in that moment, like, she needs to really believe this right now in this moment, so I'm going to let her believe it, and even tells her, like, you can have more than one mom. So yeah. I think that, that's, it's really sweet to see their relationship. And there seems, like, in, in sort of, like, this particular, like, maelstrom of drama, I feel like it reminds me that there are two very obvious statements to make, which is that everyone is against Ashna running the restaurant. Like, everyone is clearly on, like, I almost feel like from Ashna's perspective, it's like they're conspiring against her that like she can't handle it. It's it's essentially like she hates the idea that they're like telling her what makes her happy. They're telling her what's important to her. No, she doesn't want to hear it. She's like, this is my, like all she can see. She's like got this tunnel vision of like the restaurant success is my father's legacy 
if I keep the restaurant alive, it's like I keep my father's memory alive and I don't want to live in a world where I can't have that. She doesn't even know how unhappy she is. Even Shobi admitted a couple of chapters ago, like, thank God Mina was around to help with Ashna because she's a much better mother than she'll ever be. But I just feel like we're kind of past the point of, oh, who's the better mother? And just be like, Shobi has not been the best mother in the past, but there's no erasing the fact that she is Ashna's mother and they need to have a relationship. And so even though Mina comes in, works her magic, makes the restaurant run a little smoother, doesn't say anything to her about Shobi coming over. She's just like, how would Ashna's attitude have changed if she'd gotten like, because I think it was also an impulsive trip on Shobi's part, right? Like she yeah. wasn't like planning this for months. She was like, I'm going to go see her. Like what would having a day or an hour's notice have really given Ashna? You know, it's not like the resentment is going to go away with some time. I guess maybe the timing of like when she showed up could have been a little better because obviously like Shobi arrived went straight there and was like oh she's not here the midnight surprise wasn't a welcome <laughs> one so maybe if it had been more of a convenient time but again there's like there's no convenient time for either of them so it's tough and it just unfortunately had to happen the way it did Mina encourages Ashna to like go out into the restaurant and like do your rounds, say hellos, greet the people. Like clearly they're here for you. Wouldn't hurt to invite that handsome soccer player around here once in a while for the people to also see him. But she goes around, says like hellos to people. I love that like, the main comment she's getting is like, you and Rico make such a beautiful couple. And she starts to like correct people. She's like, oh, no, no, no. Like we're just we're on a competition show together. That's it. But it gets to a point where she's like, all right, everyone clearly believes that we're together, so I'm just not going to say anything. <laughs> I think that's what's so difficult about fame for Ashna is like she hates the idea of like having a part of herself that's inauthentic. Like Rico's learned that like you've got your personal private self and then you've got your on-camera self. You have to be able to jump between the two and she doesn't have those two identities. She wants to be honest with people. She wants to set the record straight. Then she's just like, the tr like I want to give them the truth, but they don't want to hear it. They just want to believe that we're perfect together. Like, I guess I better use it. You know, it's, it's another way to like use everything to your advantage. Yeah, and it plays into like that idea of like, her compartmentalizing everything of like, okay, here's my work box, here's my family box, here's my relationship box, but now all the boxes like are gone and everything has been bleeding together and she can't keep, you know, her TV life separate from her restaurant. You know, people know her from TV and are coming in and, and think that's who she is. It's weird because like she's home in her restaurant and she still has to kind of play a part. Yeah. Which is like something very new for her to navigate. But she does go back to the studio and she sees Rico. And I love this line where she says, like, would she ever get used to the physical impact of their eyes meeting? Because she just sees him there kind of sitting and being Rico and his handsome self just... <laughs> being a person yeah, and even like that's breathing. where like his i want to be your hairline kind of comes up in her own version here of like seeing his hair and being like oh yeah i remember what it was like to feel like my hands through his hair and then they make eye contact and she's like oh my goodness like they're like not over each other even the slightest bit no. and they're 
lying. It's just like, it's a bunch of lies. They're lying to everyone. They're lying to each other. They're lying to themselves. (laughs) It's kind of one of those things where like, they've got to come to the wrong conclusions before they start hitting the right ones. And so now they're facing another judging time, uh, this time about the churros. One of the judges kind of makes a comment, kind of inferring like the churro as an innuendo. And Rico's about to take the microphone, but actually Ashna takes the microphone and like really leans into it and like is giving the audience what they want and playing it up for TV. And obviously there's like a great reaction from the audience. Uh, the judges are less so impressed because they're like, yeah, but your cooking is still okay. So <laughs> That's like, I would be infuriated. I mean, that's like the whole point of these cooking competitions is you've got these chefs who are like the best of the best competing against each other. It's like an Ivy League school where all the smartest kids in high school came to one place and they're like, screw this guy. Yeah, well, screw that guy. And they're like, your cooking is just okay. Like, what? I'm the best from where I come from. So it's good that, like, she's stepping up and she's developing more of, like, an on-camera, like, I'm a TV personality influencer type of attitude. Then the cameras cut and one of the crew members comes over and he's like, you guys are trending. Like, Look at all the hashtags that are like trending because of you two. One of their uh, hashtags is their ship name, which is hashtag Ashiko. So, uh, which uh, Ashna realizes like sounds vaguely similar to a word in Hindi, which means lovers. So she's like not Ooh. fond of the fact that like there's no similarities. Um, I was gonna say because I was I was just sort of like brainstorming because I was like Ashiko, I get it, but I would kind of refer I prefer Roshna. something like. Yeah, exactly. Or like Rikna, Rishna. Like, I don't know. There's like, I feel like there's a lot that could happen. So, but I, I think that that's very clever doing like the play on, on levels. Yeah. People love them. People ship them. People are even saying like, when are they going to go public? Like they should just go public already. I like very much resonate with these fans yeah. who see chemistry on TV and are like, it is real. And I am demanding yeah. the truth. <laughs> I mean, it happens like every season with like Dancing with the Stars or anything like that. We're like, so you think you can dance when like two dancers are paired together. They have like a really good dance or they have good chemistry and people are immediately like, they must be together (laughs) and like go down a conspiracy rabbit hole of like, okay, so they liked this tweet or they liked this picture. They were in this. And so people try to piece things together uh, from the limited things they see. Is it overstepping bounds just a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But just because they're crazy doesn't mean they're wrong. (laughs) No. They see something that clearly um, Ashna and Rico have yet to acknowledge. So really like the last part of um, the competition for this round is the fact that they announce, so a lot of you have been away from your family, so we thought we would bring some of your family here. And which is a nice surprise that now some of Rico's, like I think friends and soccer buddies are there. And also for Ashna, she has Nisha, Mishka, Mina, and Yash, which is a big surprise because obviously Yash running for governor, he is super busy on the campaign trail and they haven't been able to see each other in so long. So seeing each other is so great and they kind of get to quickly catch up. But also Ashna realizes like, oh no, now my family and Rico are under the same roof more of my life is bleeding together and there are no walls. Like, as much as she's been trying to, like, keep everything separate, 
you know, as if it's almost like different paints and like water has spilled over everything and everything is bleeding together. You kind of want to see who's related to the celebrities rather yeah. than like the chef, especially since like she sees her family all the time. But it's cool that she's able to flex like I know someone famous, you know, yeah. like I'm related to someone famous. And so I, I, I do love that she has that moment. Probably comparable right now would be like if someone went on and like they're like, oh yeah, my cousin is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Like she's big right now with yeah. millennials. And yeah. so I'd be like, whoa, oh my goodness that's your cousin (laughs) no that's good like yash is the aoc of california (laughs) yeah pretty much but i like that you know she even though she's catching up with her family and be with them she can't help but notice and get distracted by the fact that just across the way rico is with his friends and he's holding a baby and she just gets so distracted by seeing him be so sweet and kind with this baby and I imagine it's very attractive to see that. <laughs> a big part of Yolanda and my communication is TikTok videos. <laughs> and it reminds me that a couple of weeks ago, I like somehow wound up on Harry Styles TikTok. And I sent you that video of him holding a baby on while well, setting up on stage. And I'm just like, nope. I like to me, that's like the closest comp that I have. Like, I get it. I know <laughs> why she's staring. I know what this is. <laughs> so... That's just kind of where we leave off because she's like, Ashna was going to scream the next time someone said that because she's just like screaming from the rooftops like, we're not together. We don't have any feelings for each other. And it's like, she's very good at lying to herself. I feel like that is the takeaway message that I took from this chapter is that Ashna is bad at but is becoming better at having two personalities, the forward-facing one and her own private self. And she is also lying to herself about a myriad of problems, the first of which is that being a chef and running curry dreams makes her happy. The other is, I have no feelings for Rico. Rico has no feelings for me. I think we can all point to that and say lies. Even her cousin kind of pointing that out of like distracted much of her family has as much insight into their on-screen relationship as the rest of the TV audience, you know? Like, they don't know about their history, so they're picking up as much as the rest of the audiences, which is like, yeah, they have some great on-screen chemistry, but now her cousin sees it almost play out in real life of like, oh, no, she is actually interested in this guy. Could there be something more? How will she handle her private relationship with Rico and her family bleeding together? Obviously, they're probably going to meet now that they're in the same room together. So how is that going to play out? I want a broing session to happen between Rico and Yash because he's like, dude, I love your politics. I love everything. He is such a fan of Yash and like he's watched his speeches and has been keeping up with like his campaign. So he is going to be such a fan of him and fanboy out like when he's like, oh my gosh, I love I love what you're doing. Hope you win. <laughs> yeah, if I could vote here, I'd vote for you. All that is just swirling around. So stay tuned to uh, see what's going to happen to the Rajes next. 